0: Welcome to another Christian Center podcast. For more information, you can visit our website or you can visit our Facebook page. We really hope that you enjoy this podcast and that you'll be inspired by it. Thank you for listening. Now today we are talking about a topic that is... That has become one of the critical issues of of the time that we we are living in, especially this past couple of months. Um, And uh, the topic that I want to talk to you about is how does a Christian, a Christian, a real Christian, react on things like Black Lives Matter, land wars, and an unjust government. Those three issues... They are interrelated in South Africa, and I would like to address them in this fourth pastoral talk. I call it a talk. It's not a sermon, and therefore I'm happy that you engage with me. You are very welcome to differ from me, Uh, but hear me out. Please hear me out. Um, uh, Let me just say this to start off with. Uh, what I'm sharing with you today does not, I'm not speaking on behalf of the Apostolic Faith Mission of South Africa, the AFN. I'm not speaking on behalf of the governing body of uh, Christian Center AFML SPOC. This is my own convictions and I take full responsibility uh, for them. And as I said, you are very welcome to engage with me on this now, in my last uh, pastoral talk, we asked the question, how does a Christian respond to a global pandemic? But the past couple of months, more things happened than just a, a pandemic. It is as if the pressure and the impact of COVID-19 opened up cracks and revealed the fault lines of other Critical aspects in our society. And uh, please hear me out this whole talk. Don't cut me off when you hear something that you personally don't like. Uh, You're not going to get the full and the balanced view if you cut me off. Just listen to me for the entire talk and then make up your mind what you are going to do with this. Um, So, what I What I'm going to share with you comes from what I believe to be a thoroughly Christian worldview. And I say that because I have been working with the Bible and with people for most of my adult life. And I'm 51 years old now. So as a person with that kind of background, uh, I feel I've got something to say. And I hope that it portrays a Christian worldview accurately. Um, There are certain things that I will say, and you will say to me, who gives you the right to to talk about this? Please inbox me, and I will share with you from my personal experience uh, why I can and I have a right to, uh, as a human being, as a person, speak on these things. So, uh, let's start with... With uh, the most obvious thing, and that is, we all witnessed how Derek, a, a white police officer, uh, snuffed out a black man, George Floyd's life, by sitting with his knee on his neck. Uh, those were really shocking images, to to, to say the least. Uh, But what was the end of Floyd's life was the beginning of, in some cases, peaceful, in other cases, brutally violent protests throughout the United States of America. American cities were burning. We heard of Antifa fueling the violence and the slogan that we all became familiar with Is black lives matter black lives matter now everybody all of us know what racism is or at least I hope you do know what racism is but suddenly phrases like systemic or systemic racism were heard what is that this means that it is not only people person-on-person Uh, who are racist, but the very systems that uphold our communities and society are racially inclined, or race, race, uh, uh, or is racist in its essence. Now, to explain this, we have to, as a Christian, we have to put ourselves in the shoes of black Americans who have a strong feeling that the systems are rigged and prejudiced against them, that they are always looked upon with suspicion, and the police generally acts with the same suspicion against them and therefore deal with them with more bluntness and violence Than with other groupings or race groups in in the United States. And this is why they feel they've got a sense of our lives do not matter. Is it true? It probably is. Where would that feeling come from then? And therefore the riots. This is a, a cauldron that that has been simmering on the fire for an awfully long time, that has now finally boiled over and spilled over in violent protests all across the country. And it is within this context that a slogan like Black Lives Matter makes sense. And therefore, I believe we should acknowledge the desperate cry of people, people who feel that they have been discriminated against all their lives, that they have been mostly, that they mostly have been on the wrong end of the sword, that they are inferior, that they are invisible. We've got to understand that. We had the same problem in South Africa. I grew up in apartheid South Africa. Do you know that I cannot remember the name and surname of a single black person for the first 19 years of my life? Not one. Not one. The black people were the faceless, nameless people dressed in hand-me-downs who stayed outside the town. And this denial of someone else's humanity caused a rising tide of hatred that after 30 years, after our new democracy has been founded, 50 years later, this hatred has not fully dissipated yet. Unfortunately, I believe current politics play a huge role in keeping it alive. But I do not think, my brother, my sister, my friend, hear me out. I do not think you and I can contribute in any meaningful way or expect to be heard if we are not first willing to hear the pain To acknowledge it and to understand it. South Africans should be the first in the whole world to affirm loudly and clearly. Yes, black lives do matter. They do. We've got to say it. But there's another side to this coin. For months now, I have a feeling that my life does not matter in South Africa. I I already felt like, I want to write Mr. Ramaphosa a letter and ask him, Am I, Johann Klopper, whose ancestors arrived in the early 1700s in the Cape Colony, who has been born on this soil, And has never been to Europe in my entire life. Mr. Ramaphosa, am I, am I also a citizen of South Africa? Because it does not feel like it. To be honest, if I can share you my heart, Mr. President, I do not feel welcome here. Where then shall I go? Mr. Ramaphosa, what What other country can I call the land of my birth? In what other country then should I feel at home if not in the country where I was born? I ask you, I ask Parliament, I ask your Cabinet. My life Does it matter? The lives of my children, do they matter? Yes, we must say it loud and clear. Black lives do matter. Absolutely. But we can never say it so loud that it drowns out everyone else. That these are now the only lives that matter, that black people's lives now matter so much that the rest of us are too scared to breathe, that we must hang our heads in shame and stand in the shadows of life? Isn't there enough place for all of us under this beautiful African sun? The Bible clearly teaches that all of us, all of us, have been made in the image of God. Acts chapter 17 verse 26 in the New King James, New King James Version says, And He, the, 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 the Lord, God, and He has made from what? From one blood. From one blood. Every nation of men the second commandment is void of race when it says you shall love your neighbor as yourself matthew 22 verse 39 in the new king james version the god who made all nations from one blood expects us to love our neighbors as we love our And the parable that Jesus used to illustrate this involved the Jews and the Samaritans, two different races, who could not stand each other. The Samaritans were of a mixed race, and the Jews were Jews. They couldn't stand each other. And it was within this context that Jesus taught the parable of the Good Samaritan that illustrates the second commandment that we should love each other that I should love you uh, the same way I love myself so here's the question how much do you love yourself Mr Malema then you should love me the same how much do I love myself then I should love you the same Mr. Malema if my life matters then yours will too and if your life matters then mine will too but if my life and yours do not matter anymore if my life or yours any one of the two does not matter anymore That's when our civilization starts to crumble. Then we begin to call each other monkeys and cockroaches. And the moment you start to think of another human being as a cockroach, you are inches away from crushing him or her under your foot. No, we are all human beings. All created in the image of God. And that makes... Your life holy, and it makes my life holy. We call it the sanctity of life. And if you cannot find it in your heart to have respect for my life, I am a Christian, and as a Christian, I am subject to the Lordship of Jesus. And that leaves me without any other choice but to take up my cross and still love you as much as I love myself, whether you love me or like me or not. I have the obligation in Jesus' name to still love you just as much as I love myself. And now I talk to all true Christians And you will understand what I mean with this. Black and white. Jesus did never ever give us any other ministry. Than the ministry of reconciliation. In his broken body on the cross. He broke down the wall of hatred. That separated us. So that we all can be one in him. I believe in a new world order. But it's not going to run through the political world of our time. It runs through Jesus Christ. Through Him, there will be one world. One humanity. Only through Him. Because He paid the price. He broke down the wall of hatred that separated us. And I want to say it very clearly today. Very clearly. Before I am an Afrikaner, I am a Christian. And before you are a Zulu or an Indian, you are a Christian. And together, we are the one body of Christ in South Africa. And as His body, we are not called to take up arms and fight for ethnicity, for culture or for race. We are called... To turn the other cheek to love and to be living examples of reconciliation. That, my friend, is the true radical nature of the gospel. The shockingly radical nature of the gospel. Jesus said in John 13 verse 25 in the King James Version, he said, By this, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have loved one to another that is our calling in a society that is racially polarized not to be dragged along by hatred and antagonism i'm asking all of us as a servant of the lord and in the name of jesus i'm asking All of us, let us always remember that we are citizens of the kingdom of God and that we represent a new humanity. We can never ever reach back for our old man that has died with Christ on the cross. In this current world, our calling in this world that is busy passing away, with all its ructions, with all its wars, with all its fighting. Our calling is to be signposts pointing this world to the new world that is coming. The new world that is coming. Do you hear me? This is God's word. The new world that is coming. Our task is to point people to this new world. How at this point... We may also ask the question, How does a Christian who is, per definition, a stranger and a pilgrim in this world, How do we think about the much debated land ownership issue? I can tell you one thing. Any real Christian should be shocked at the arrogance of anybody who says, This land belongs to me, or it belonged to my ancestors. How sure are you about that? How sure are you about that, my friend, if that is what you are saying? I think it all depends on how far you are willing to go back into history. There is nothing that relativizes land ownership more than history, and let us just look at our own continent's history. Thankfully, right now I have a son that's in grade six, and I had the privilege of helping him ace. He's we uh, he got a, dis- a distinction for for history first term grade six uh, this year, uh, and and I remind you that this is history that's prescribed by our current Department of Education, and I was surprised to learn from their curriculum that there was a migration of black farmers around 250 AD apparently black farmers migrated from uh, north and central africa to the south of africa during the stone age and they mostly settled in the Limpopo valley and in the southeastern parts of South Africa, which is known today as KwaZulu-Natal. And if my understanding of history is correct, this doesn't come from grade six history though, the Mfekani, uh, a cultural war that was going on, the Mfekani was responsible for a westward migration of black farmers that led to a clash. On the eastern border of the Cape Colony. And my question is. Are these black farmers not also settlers? You remember? One bullet, one settler. Or one settler, one bullet. Are these black farmers not also settlers? Just like the white farmers. Who migrated from Europe. You see it all depends on how far you want to go back. In history therefore if we truly want to be consequential we all white and black should vacate the land and give it all back to the koi and the sand who were here first before all of us but you see people come and go as does history and if we go f- back far enough in history we arrive at the Genesis account of creation that asserts God created the heavens and what did God create? The heavens and the earth. And corresponding with this, the psalmist declares in Psalm 89 verse 11 in the, um, the, the common uh, 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 current English version. It says the heavens and the earth. Year carefully. The heavens and the earth belong to who? Belong to the Afrikaner the Zulu, the Koi, belong to the Americans, the Europeans. No, my friends, the scripture says. The heavens and the earth, the earth, belong to who? To you, God, the one who created it. All land ownership is relative to Him to whom all the land belongs. At most, we are just custodians of God's land. You in any case just going to own that land for as long as you live, which is what, 70 years 80 years, maybe your child will inherit it, maybe you will sell it, it never ever, ever really belongs to you we are just custodians of God's land and and then Jesus makes the most astonishing announcement in his sermon on the mount, and he makes this announcement, please note, take careful note he makes this announcement Announcement while being acutely aware of the Romans who occupied the land of the Jews. He made this announcement at a time when the Jews were just waiting and looking for the right moment to take up arms and reclaim their land from the Romans. What was Jesus' announcement? Fully cognizant of this fact jesus announced in matthew 5 verse 5 in the king james version he said blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the land who are the who are the meek who are the meek the meek are those who do not have fangs Slagdange, fangs like a lion that can tear apart its prey. The meek are like sheep. Sheep who do not resist, do not fight. Why do we not resist? Why don't we fight? Because our expectancy is from Him who said we will inherit the whole earth. Why should we fight? Do I, Johan, own my own house? No. Do I own my own land? No. I haven't got the title deed of any property. Alright? I think I've got uh, the living rights for a certain property. But I, I do not have the title deed of any land or any house. But I, but I do know the one to whom the whole earth belongs. Now I understand that in certain instances people invested their whole lives into the land they live on. And the inclination will be there to fight and even die for it. But while people skirmish for land, I smile inwardly. And I say in my heart, yeah, you can fight over it peace fight over it while you still can because the real landowner already promised it to the meek and i believe i'm one of them so in closing last the last thing that i want to address the address the true measure of any government the true measure of any government is justice justice psalm 89 verse 15 in the american standard version says Righteousness and justice are what? The foundation of your throne. God's throne. Righteousness and justice is foundational to the rule of any country or anything. Justice and righteousness. And then Proverbs 14 verse 34 says, Righteousness exalts a nation. The past 15 to 20 years, we have seen a sharp decline in the functionality and general prosperity of South Africa. You must be blind if you haven't seen it. It's, it's clearly visible every, everywhere. Our nation, consisting of all races, have not been exalted. Instead, we have been humiliated in the eyes of the rest of the world. We have become a byword on the world stage, whether we like it or not. Justice should have exalted us. But hear me, injustice has brought us low. And just like injustice was the downfall of the nationalist apartheid regime, And the church who provided the theological justification for it In the same way Injustice will be the downfall of the current regime And here I quote the words Of the esteemed Archbishop Emeritus Desmond Tutu Hear what he says He said this uh, In a live broadcast He said I am warning you like I warned the nationalists, one day we will start praying for the defeat of the ANC government. We will pray for the downfall of a government that misrepresents us. What must we do as Christians right now? I believe all true Christians, the true body of Christ who represents the kingdom of God, should do three things. Number one, not be dragged along by the strong current of hatred and violence. But we should fulfill our duty duty to preach reconciliation even if we do it in the face of animosity. That is our duty. Secondly, pray without ceasing that the one God who according to Daniel 2 verse 21 Give rulers their power and take it away. Will deliver us from the current evil. And give us rulers who are deserving of the beautiful people of this country. And then thirdly, we've got to pray for a powerful revival. A powerful outpouring of the Spirit of the Lord. That will drown the flames of hatred and give rise to a tidal wave of love that will rejuvenate and invigorate the moral fiber of our people of this nation. And I believe together with that will come prosperity for everybody in South Africa. My hope and my eyes are not on our politicians, not on our political system, but on the God who can help us and who can bring and pour out His Spirit and save South Africa from the flames. Praise the Lord and thank you for listening to me. You are welcome to comment on this. You are welcome to to disagree with me. You are most welcome to engage me uh, on on these topics. Uh, May the Lord bless you. Father, I thank you that I could speak my heart And I pray that those who have ears to hear will hear the call for the body of Christ coming from all races, from all tribes, from all nations to come together and not misrepresent the kingdom of God, but represent your kingdom as the kingdom of peace and where we are reconciled with one another. I pray In Jesus' name, have mercy on our country, Lord. Have mercy on South Africa. Have mercy on us. All of us, Lord, we need you. In Jesus' name, amen.